Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum has been healing people for 43 years as a medical doctor and holistic practitioner, but he didn't do it until he healed himself. At 68 years of age, he has a zest for life that outshines people a third his age with a phenomenal marriage, great family relationships, a thriving medical practice, and a work hard, play hard, well, pretty hard view of the world. Most importantly, he's emotionally centered and at peace, which leaves plenty of fuel for the rest of his adventures. Come hear his story and learn how you can live that same happy, centered, at ease life. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget, rate and review us so other people will see it, hear it, and learn. Hi, all. Um, thanks for joining us today. And we're on, thanks for joining us on Wednesday. I've got Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum that we're going to talk to in a couple minutes. And he has patient day on Thursday. So Wednesday is when he could be talking to me. Um, and we are going to talk, it's going to be a happiness day. It's going to be a day about understanding, you know, I've spent, people have followed me, people who have been watching these Facebook lives know that Jake is someone, one of our, you know, best bottom line experts, a good friend of mine. And we spend a lot of time together. And he works so hard, constantly, nonstop, and yet he's one of the easiest going guys in the world. And I thought, today's not about COVID and vaccines and all that sort of stuff. It really is learning Jake's secret to life and how he manages to do it all yet to stay on that even, even keel. So that is what we're going to do today. Um, I will remind everybody, as I always do, that we've got a whole library of these videos, including a whole bunch of them with Jake, um, that are in the library on Facebook Live, on, on our Facebook, on the bottom line page in Facebook, or if it's easier for you, we put them also into our YouTube channel, which is Bottom Line Inc.'s YouTube channel. You can go there if you want to refer back to them, if you want to tell your friends and family about these great, great pieces of information and entertainment, um, let them know that as well. Um, I will say one other thing before we get on, you know, the, this is my pet peeve. I have a blog coming out tomorrow that is all about this um, case of the COVID. The world is shutting down again. So I, I promise not to talk about COVID, but here's what you can do. Everyone can do. The stronger you are, the healthier you are, the less likely it is you're going to get sick. Doctors aren't talking about it. The media isn't talking about it. They're not talking about boosting your immune system. We have a whole bunch of information in the videos. I'm talking about it in my blog tomorrow, but again, there'll be a link in the chat box here about downloading a free book that Bottom Line's editors put together about immune boosters your doctor is not telling you about. And when I say boost immune, I'm not talking about send yourself off some crazy cliff. Frankly, most of us are at a deficit. So I'm talking about bring you back up to a place of strength so that you're able and strong to fight off not just COVID, but the flu and pneumonia and chicken pox and whatever else is flying around, strep throat, all the things that fly around. The stronger you are, then you don't have to worry about your risk of getting sick because you can. your body knows how to do what it's going to do. That's my little pitch for the week. Okay, that's my, my pet peeve. Let's all get healthy on our own. All right, let's bring on Dr. Jake. Let me introduce you to Dr. Jake. I'll tell you all about him if I can get something out of my way on my uh, computer. Okay, there we go. Things are flying in on my computer. Hey, my friend, how are you? Well, great to see you. And uh, from sunny Hawaii. Aloha, everybody. <laughs> Secret number one to being happy. You can live wherever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and people are. But what this is hang loose, right? That's what they yep, hang loose. It's called hang the shaka. Is it this way or this It's like you're talking on the phone and then you turn it upward like that. Huh. I always thought it was the other way. Although it's it's easy going. You can hang loose. You can do it any way you want. I'll you do know. a double. I'll double hang. No, no hang loose, please, out there. Kind of like, you know. <laughs> double hang. <laughs> All right. So let me give your bio because I love telling about how great you are for anybody who hasn't seen or seen our conversations or talked to you before. Um, so Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum is a board certified internist. He's a holistic physician and he's a nationally known expert in the fields of chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, sleep and pain. We'll talk a little bit about how, how he got into that area because it's part of how he got to be who he is. Um, he's the author of numerous books, including The Fatigue and Fibromyalgia Solution. Um, the book that I just read this week of his, Three Steps to Happiness, Healing Through Joy, and we're going to talk about that today. And then also Real Cause, Real Cure, which is the newest book, The Bottom Line, just published. It's a great, huge encyclopedia of what to do and, and how to really cure from the inside out on a whole array of, of ailments. And that's available at the Bottom Line store. I'll make my little pitch for his content because it's great. Um, the other thing I'll tell you about is um, Jake has a great app 
it's called Cures A to Z. It's free. It's at the App Store on both um, Apple and Android. And this is like a little encyclopedia, healing encyclopedia in your hand. You pick a little disease, it'll tell you exactly the background on it and what you can do about it. So I've got it on my phone. I look at it all the time um, and it's great. So download it, it's free. He's a very generous person. We'll hear about that too. Um, Cause that's core to your values. That's, how, that's part of you. Um, and you could learn more about Jake and his work at vitality101.com. So hello, let's start this again. We'll say hello a few more times. <laughs> Um, hello, everybody, and welcome to How to Be Happy, because I guarantee you, you can be happy. Uh, it's just a matter of knowing a couple of tricks. We'll teach those to you today. Yeah. And again, I want to hear about you because you've had such an interesting story. Um, you know, I described you before. I said when, when we were chatting before, you're, you're, one of, I think you're one of the hardest working people and yet one of the easiest going guys going. So here's my first question for you. Were you born that way? Is it nature or is it nurture? Like, did you start out when you were that young or did, has that something that's been lessons in life? Um, and you I've grown up passionate about the things I'm passionate about. And I don't do things, before when I was a kid, I did things because I thought I needed to and I had to. It was part of growing up in a Hasidic community where achievement, you know, growth, all of that was all valued. Uh, but uh, as I grew, it's now a matter that if there's something I love doing and it feels good to do, then I do it. If I'm overdoing, it's going to stop feeling good, so I ease back. And it's that simple. I just do what I love doing as long as it feels good to do so. But that's where you are now, and we're going to talk to that place. But when we were young, when you were young, and I think it's really interesting to spend a minute about because you're now living, you know, Aloha Land down in Hawaii. But your childhood was in a very controlled setting. I mean, you had to talk about that for a second. There was not even a concept in my mind. I still remember the first moment I had the thought of actually doing what I wanted to do for myself. I was in college, probably about my uh, second, third year. And there's, a th I was listening to uh, this uh, album that was by Blind Faith, and they had a song, Do What You Want. And I had been very intoxicated that day. And my friend, who was the son of this rabbi with a bushy fro like here, uh, knew I needed to put the headphones on my head and just crank this like 20-minute riff of Do What You Want. And it was like, cracked me open. It was like, that was the first time in my life I'd ever considered doing what I wanted. It was not even a concept to me. So until that point, you were called following the rules. So, but were you carefree when you were young and yet you had to follow the rules? <laughs> or were you, like, was it not even a consideration? Again, you were in a Hasidic community and there are many very strict communities of all sorts of kinds. So you were like, you followed the rules in those places. Well, um, it was it was kind of, kind of a funny mix. So to me, I've always had a strong feeling towards God, spirit, life, whatever you want to call it. This thing that connects to me and makes me feel like there's something really big out there that I love and want to be part of. Mm -hmm. And we were taught, you know, that that's God. That was right. the name put on it. And this is what you do for God to love you. You follow these rules. Right. And I didn't know any better. I was six years old, you know. Right. So that's what I did. Um, the funny thing about Hasidic Judaism is that there's uh, Judaism in general is there's no middle person between God and everybody. You know, every man and woman has a direct connection. Don't right. don't need a rabbi. Don't need anybody. Um, so after with all the stuff that I was being told, it was my own inner voice, my own inner truth telling me my own story, you know, well, this is what's true was, you know, I asked her, well, do I need to do these rules? And I got back like, oh, this is later. No, it's sweet for you to think about it, but I don't need it. You know, it's like, really? It's like, you know. <laughs> so there's this freedom that comes over time with it. But um, it was mostly a matter of duty, responsibility. I mean, it was to the point where I was taught that the whole world is watching you to see what you do as a Jew and anything you do wrong, they will use that as an excuse to kill all the Jews. That's and this is, right. this is having come just my, my mom having been in Auschwitz, most of my family having died in Auschwitz. Right. This was very right there and real, you know, so they, it wasn't a matter of what do you want to do? It's a matter, you will be judged with the world looking over your shoulder to kill you and everybody else that's Jewish. That was the message. It was pretty insane. So that's huge pressure. So then there you were in college and suddenly you go, wait, I could follow my dreams. I could, I could do what I want. Like how what, mind blowing was that? What do I want? It was right. totally mind blowing. Right. It, it split me open like a eggshell. It was a, 
cracked me open. So this whole concept that, you know, everybody out there who's telling you how you should be, what you should do, um, don't be selfish. What a bizarre word. They're saying don't be selfish is their way of saying, I want you to do what I want for me. So don't you be selfish, which is the most selfish thing they could possibly say, which is like not to be authentic. So they get what they want. It's like, no, ignore that. What do you want? What feels good to you? And if you're not hurting anybody doing that and it's working out for you, then follow that. Um, Joseph Campbell put it well. He said, follow your bliss and it will get you where you're going. If you follow everybody else's rules, it'll get you where they're going, which most of them are not that happy anyway. And so why would you want to go there when you can go or be authentic to you? So there's a really fine line. So let me challenge you on that. And again, we'll walk through. We're going to talk about your book because this is a piece of your book. We're, we're jumping ahead. We'll jump back. Um, but this is a, this is a trick me because I, I'm always kind of a, a humble person. I pride myself on being humble and not, and I, you know, I think about others before I think about myself. And then, you know, when people say, what do you want? I always, it's hard, right? It's really hard. Um, and there's so much pressure to that, you know, that if you think about yourself, then you're narcissistic or you're prideful or you're selfish or any of those sorts of things. But there's a fine line between also being libidinal, right? So chasing your impulses of what do I want or what do I want now versus a mature choice of what do I want big picture or what do I want to do? So help separate that or help explain that. Or am I, or am I just being stuck in my own paradigm of fear of someone saying you're selfish? Well, well there's a couple of different pieces in this. Number one, talking about your being so humble. I still remember when somebody told me, Jacob, you ain't so great that you have to be that humble. I was like, <laughs> okay. Thanks, my friend. <laughs> okay. Cut down. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, the thing is, to me, we're all divine. I mean, we're all part of life, nature, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's nothing to be humble about. We are, every one of us, glorious. Mm -hmm. The thing that people need to remember is that they're no better than anybody else, no worse than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So you can be as divine, glorious, and wonderful as you are. And as long as you recognize you know better than anybody else, you can take the false humility and toss it. Um, so that's the distinction. It's not how great you see yourself being. There's nothing wrong with that. We, other people want to label narcissist or anything else. Right. As long as you remember you're, you're no better or worse than anybody else, because that's the simple truth of it. Right. Okay. There's nobody in the world who's greater than me, and there's nobody in the world who's less than me. And nobody who deserves to, I'll call it, be in front of you. Like you all have an equal choice of that next step. We all have different paths. So my being in front or behind right. is irrelevant. Yes. That's my path on their path. They're where they need to be. Right. right. Um, in terms of doing what feels good, some people say, okay, well, how about if I shoot up heroin and kill this person? You know, I'll feel good. Right. So you can days. take, that's kind of my point. You can so, take that feel good thing to the extreme. How about if I, I don't feel like going to work today? Okay, fine. And someone else go pay my bills. Well, that's why I add things and how's it working out for you? Right. Because it'll feel good in the moment, but in the long term, it won't feel good. So it's not just this moment, but in time, you'll find that there's a difference between cravings uh, and addictions, like this sugar thing, for example, or drugs or things like that that tend to be cravings uh, versus, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to use words like soul or things like that, but on some deep uh, psychological or other level where there's a knowing that this feels good. I'm not talking about hedonistically feels good, even though that's okay too. I'm talking about there's, we have our external uh, five or six senses, but there are inner senses like discernments, feelings, things like that, that, you know, the whole, there's a whole world inside of us that we are starting to develop the senses to navigate. And culturally, we're not even aware of it. People aren't supposed to talk about that inner experience, which is the biggest part of our experience. Um, so that kind of feeling that overall has this feeling as opposed to hedon, I'm not talking just the hedonistic, sensualistic. Right. It's a, it's a deep sense of doing what you want and, and pursuing your path and happiness. Authenticity. So yes. let's talk about, I'm, I'm actually doing a lot of work. I'm working on a number of things in the happiness field, which is why it was, you know, it's so great to, to have read your book. Um, 
one of my things that I think is curious, and I'd love your opinion on this, that like different people, I think have different definitions or expectations of happiness. And there's this thing that everybody's supposed to be happy all the time and cartwheeling all the time. And if they're not, they're not happy. If they're not, they're depressed. If they're not, they need medication. So help define, you know, what's, how do you define happiness and help people realize like you can still have moments of intensity or thoughtfulness or quietness, but still be happy. And like, where's happy versus content versus, you know what? Oh, well, how about if we just use authenticity? Because mm-hmm. I'll keep getting back to that. So having a big, you know, whatever, eating grin on the face all the time is not necessarily the equivalent of happiness. Yeah. Um, or being, you know, uh, that's a cultural story. To me, I'm talking about authenticity. Um, and that means I can be grieving. I can be angry. I mean. I, uh, last night I had the pleasure of having one of my world famous uh, hissy fits, you know, that half the city was probably hearing at the time. And it felt great. You know, I felt all justified in having it. There was a great reason for it. And, you know, and I got to have one of my self righteous rants and it was awesome. Should and, I ask what it was about? Uh, it was, a, I, I, you can, but they're basically uh, my, my printer company decided that they would do an update. Right. Of, you know how they push update now. Sure. And what they did was they sent a program that made all of the uh, printer cartridges that were not their brand non-workable in the computer. They basically killed, they killed my printer. Right. Unless, and ba- it's like malware. So in, in the yeah. guise of that, and so I got to go to Office Depot, I had a choice, buy a new printer. Right. or buy their $450 of their printer cartridges. Right. And you can be certain that the people who are, I made sure the people who are guiding purchasers at Office Depot knew that this company, and I've decided my wife had the wisdom to say, don't go slamming them on the air. And it's like, right. she's a wise, wise woman. I'm not going to give names. And I'm, and I'm not looking to slam anyway. It's Because again, I, you're so, you know, accepting of everything. And one of, you know, you have things in your book about no fault, no blame. So- <laughs> You know, but you also, and you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember what we were talking about, but um, that anger is okay. It's totally okay. In fact, it can be a blast and as long as it feels good. And as, as long as I was having fun with my hissy fit, it's like free, free rant, have fun with it. Yay. You know? And then I started feeling bad and I started getting to blaming and all that. And it was like, that doesn't feel good. Then I was done with it. Then I let go of it and I realized again, I create all of this. And I have a choice. I'm, I'm not this victim of this horrible thing. I got some friggin' new cartridges. So what? Right. So I paid for them. I actually get better quality printing now. So what? And at so the end so of the day, it's my choice in terms of how I hold it and view it and whether I want to get into the whole blame game and blah, 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 and be victim. Um, but on the other hand, it was fun having the, the hissy fit. So I can be angry. I can grieve. I can do all of that. And it can feel great. I can be very quiet. I can be just... And totally chilled out and be happy as long as I'm being authentic to where I am at the moment. So, and as part of being authentic, uh, being like admitting it to your wife going, okay, I'm having a hissy fit. I know I'm having a hissy fit. Let me go on my hissy ride versus people that are in denial. Like, oh no, I'm not mad. No, I'm not being childish. Those people were horrible. They deserve it. I mean, I literally, I kind of hit a wall on Friday night and I sat on the couch. I knew I wanted to be miserable. My husband and daughter looked at me and go, you're miserable. I'm like, I know. I had a big bowl of popcorn. I wanted to watch, you know, trashy movies and just be miserable for a little bit. And then I threw it. And then I, but I admitted that I was being that way. I wasn't denying it. I wasn't saying, no, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm going, no, I'm I'm miserable. Yeah. But you're enjoying that. I wallowed. And I ate the whole bowl of popcorn. Yeah. Hopeful. Wasn't it great? Wasn't it great? It was awesome. The next day I exercised twice yeah. and I ate a big salad. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So nothing wrong with that. So it's okay. In other words, you don't have to be what we define as happy. Like, you know, for everybody else, you know, for some, but, you know, we have this thing, like most of us are wondering, well, I wonder what everybody's thinking about us. And you know what they're thinking about you? They're wondering what you're thinking about them. Everybody's worried about what everybody else is, think, is thinking about them. Right. Maybe for a moment they'll think about you and have a minute's gossip, but basically they're worried about what you're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like in the world of the blind, the one eye is, guy is, is king, you know? 
if if you're the one who you don't care what anybody thinks about you and you just you know let them worry about what you think about them even though who cares you're the king right. you know you're, you're free right. the bottom line is what they do is none of your business what you do is none of their business well and the classic nobody can tell you make you feel any way that you don't choose to feel yourself yeah, just feel just feel how you feel. Be authentic with your feelings. There's no right or wrong with it. Don't try, you know, the problem is we try to understand our feelings. And all we get to is what triggered this episode, but it's triggering a whole pool of anger from like you know, decades and decades and decades. And this happened to trigger that. You know, so why, you know, if we see what the trigger is, that's nice. But understanding feelings is not important. Feeling them and then letting go of them is important. When you say understanding feelings, and again, so we've just meandered into, you've got your three steps to happiness. Number one is be authentic with your feelings. So we've like, cause I like to outline things. Um, yeah. So um, in that um, being okay, now I just lost my train of thought, sorry. Um, with the authenticity of your feelings and, and accepting them, I totally lost my train of thought, Jake. It's, it's totally. Huh? I lost it. Well, here's the, here's the thing. There are no good and bad feelings. Oh, that's right. Joy, anger, grief, uh, happiness. What it's all, it's all good as long as it feels it's authentic. So, as long as it feels good to feel it, See? and you can feel good to rage, you can feel good to grieve. Um, all of those things. It may feel better to be angry and hateful than depressed. There's this kind of almost like a, a step ladder of of feelings moving towards happiness. Um, as long as it feels good, feel it. Don't judge well, it. And I think the important thing they made in your book, and I remembered what I was going to ask you, which was the, about the whys. Um, the, all those feelings are part of being human. So okay. that don't deny that. Like there's a grand acceptance. You make a, a lot of conversation in the book about the acceptance of our humanity. And, and our ridiculousness. Right. And I always joke, like, you know, I made a mistake. Awesome. I'm an ex I'm a perfect human because I made a mistake. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but to, to understand that all that is part of our existence. And as you say, to, to feel it, accept it, and then release it. When it no longer feels good. In other words, you know, I, I recognize and Lori and I laugh about that. We're ridiculous. We really, as humans, we are ridiculous so on a regular basis. So give an example. Can you give an example of feeling the feeling, going through it, and then deciding it doesn't feel any feel good anymore? Like how what we were talking about last night. So anymore? last 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 yeah. night when when they basically put malware on my computer in the form right. of a service update right. and killed or killed on my laptop on my printer and killed the printer, right. held it hostage. It felt really good to be angry and, you know, feel how dare they and self-righteous and oh, it, it was really you know very heady. If, if you had to drink something that would make you feel that way and for, as an excuse to do it, I mean, it'd be worth big bucks, you know. Um, and but then after a while, it got to the point where I realized I was just getting into my stuff and, you know, trying to slip into victimization. How dare they do that? I feel powerless. You know, I hear the big guys. There's nothing. You know, all the stories of of the life. Um, and I looked at that and I started to realize this is no longer feeling good. This is starting to feel bad. I'm getting into victimization stories and all that. And I just dropped in with thought and I just looked out and I just shifted my attention to at something else. And I realized at that point I was being ridiculous, um, but it was okay. Nothing so wrong that, with that. Is that a cue for people? You're very self-aware and so that you're able to see the enjoyment of the hissy fit and then the, it doesn't feel so good anymore. So how do we, is that a cue for people that if they start to feel victim, if they st start to feel helpless, if they can't spin out of it or out, you know, get it just doesn't feel good. Right. So simpler than that. It no longer is feeling good. Okay. Does, if it's no longer feeling good, it's not serving you. It's time to let go of it. The feeling is done being felt when it no longer feels good. Simple do people, rule. Do people come become addicted though to so, like sometimes, you know, like people that cut themselves, people, you know, the cutters and, and bulimics and things like that, that are self-destructive because it makes them feel alive. That are, there's an aspect of people becoming addicted to the noise, the victimization, the something, because it gives them something to do in some ways. Well, as long as they're cutting themselves because 
they feel like they're not worthy of living. And this way, this releases some of that feeling. The cutting is actually serving them. The issue isn't the cutting. Right. The issue is why they feel not worthy of being alive. That's a very different thing. So instead of going out to the smoke, I'm going to put out the fire. If they're cutting and they're not really hurting themselves and they know it actually feels better when I'm cutting, which for many people it does. And I don't then want to get that, into that deep world of it. Okay. But go after the root issues. Well, what, you know, so it's still, you'll find as long as it feels good, you know, but when it stops feeling good, that's the time to let go of the feeling. It is no longer, it is done being felt. It no longer serves you. And you said something, I'm going to just hang here for one more minute and then we're going to go on to your no fault system um, about the whys. You know, there's a lot of psychology that talks about, well, why? Where's the root of it? What happened in your childhood? Like, you know, why are you feeling that way? And you you're kind of go past that and say, it doesn't matter necessarily. You, you don't have to clean up every pile of poop that you or everybody else dumped in your lifetime. It's mm-hmm. okay to just keep walking and let it go. Now, there are times where things will come up for processing, but, you know, and, and this is part of our shadow, our unacknowledged self, um, and knowing how to greet the shadow, which is usually by saying yes and owning it instead of getting defensive and saying no, is a whole nother art. And that boils down to loving yourself unconditionally. Um, but to go searching for your shadow, that's a fool's errand. These things, when they are ready for processing, the abuse history, the, you know, all the different things, they will come to you when they're ready and knowing how to greet them, how to love yourself through the process and own the feelings, the rage and all the rest. Um, this is best done with help a lot of cases, yeah. part of what I do day in and day out in the healing work. Um, but you don't have to go looking for it because most of the time you're not going to understand it. All you're going to understand is the trigger. So it's really good for business to go and dig up every pile of poop over the last 50 years of somebody's life. But all it does is leave them stuck in the poop. Well, and a lot of those poops, I mean, some people truly had some heinous things happen in their lives. Absolutely. But most, most people, they got, you know, they got stepped on. They had, they fought with their sibling. Their parent was cranky or whatever, but as yeah. a child, we, you know, we internalize these things as stop shouting at me. And you're always judging. Yeah. We, we put all this yeah. stuff in there that we made up when we were little. But, but I'm totally unique. Right. I'm the only one out there. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, that it was my mother's fault. Nobody else had that, right? Was, yeah, uh, we, we all do that. There's you know? no question about it. Your mother's first, it's our parents' fault. And then, it's, and then we're projecting all our own stuff. But at the end of the day, nobody here but us. Right. Us. So, you know, there are things that will come up for understanding and processing. Um, but you don't have to go looking for them. Yeah. They will come up knowing how to greet them is another conversation. All right, let's talk about the no fault system because you your your step two is make life a no fault system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well basically we have the American way of life as victimization. Whose fault is it? Why who's to blame for this? You know, the, our country as a society is so focused on fixing the blame instead of the problem that it's no surprise that you know we're not going any good places fast right now. Um, so as long as you're blaming you are giving up your power. I will tell you right now, nobody can create anything in your life unless you invited them in. I'm not saying consciously, but by focusing on it, by making this part of your reality. Um, And at the end of the day, we can create anything we choose. And it may not look in exactly the way as being king of the world, but you can create being powerful in your world. You can create pretty much anything. Um, So, the things that keep us from owning our power are when we do the blame or victimization and that's no blame, no fault, no guilt, no judgment, no comparisons. This is kind of a biggie. Don't compare yourself or anybody else or anything to anything and no expectations on anybody. Um, If you do that, those six things, you will find that suddenly most of the stuff that annoys you in your life and leaves you feeling powerless just slips away. Yeah, and it's and I want to walk through them a little bit more slowly. Um, on the no blame, you said something in the book about that by blaming others, that was part of part of the the reflex on it was lack of self acceptance, mm-hmm. right? Because it you know you make yourself a victim, which takes away your power, it gives them the power, but that there was this 
underbelly of it of I'm not good enough. I don't trust myself. I don't love myself. I don't accept myself. That whole realm of things. Well, blaming yourself. Right. It's just, you know, that's not good enough. Right. You know, we all have our stories. So for my, my story was never enough, never good enough. Everybody's got their own stories. You're the yeah. only one. I've never thought that at all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, anyone out there, have you ever felt like you weren't good enough? Yeah, exactly. No matter what you did. Post it in the chat. Okay. Let us know about who, who, who kept you back? What was, you know, what was blamed on? Who do you blame for all the miseries in your life? Um, and, and it was nobody but me. It was just really at the end of the day, you know? And uh, so as long as they're blaming other people or blaming ourselves, it's your pointing finger. You know, there's a Chinese expression that when you're pointing a finger at somebody, you're pointing one finger at them and three fingers at yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you're blaming them, you're blaming yourself. When you're judging them, you're judging yourself. That's where the expression judge not lest you be judged comes from. So it sounds easy, easy, Jake, but you know, in a world of where did you go to college? How much money are you making? How big is your house? All that, like, you know, the comparisons and all that. And I know that that's all part of it. But when you've lived in your paradigm of I'm not good enough for whatever reason, right? The constant feedback of whether, and it can be big, small in between. How do you just make it go away? Do, is it literally well, just a choice? Do you realize you go, this isn't serving me? Or is let, there a process? Let me, let me recommend a spiritual teacher who's this amazing spiritual teacher. And I, I found him to be very, very helpful. Uh, he's given me wisdom about the whole thing of not enough. Uh, his name is Kobe. He's my cat. And <laughs> and I look at him. Does he and I charge say, a lot? Yeah. I just, uh, no, he, no well, he knows I'm going to feed him. So there's not even an expectation. I, I don't think he's ever looked at it and said, have I caught enough mouse mice today or, you know, chased enough birds to be worthy of my cat food today or any of that stuff. He just hangs out and he's Kobe cat. And when he wants to go do something, he's off and he does it. When he doesn't, he's chilling out and when he's hungry, he eats. And it's just kind of, so, yeah, everything I needed to learn about being enough, I learned from my cat. I invite you to do the right. same. And just total acceptance. And the same way, I mean, is there also a lesson to learn that, you know, we are so hard on ourselves, yet unconditional love for our cat or our dog, or ideally, certainly when they're infants, our children. Eventually, mm -hmm. it gets a little more conditional, but overall, we do deeply oh. unconditionally love them. Yes, and once you learn to do that, that's a really good way to begin to learn to unconditionally love yourself. And once you unconditionally love yourself, the next step is you unconditionally love everybody and everything. And I find being that way is very freeing. Yeah. Because like, I truly do. Sometimes it's easier to unconditionally love them than it is to unconditionally love yourself. Because you know, we all have our little chatter inside of you know, the secrets of, they think I'm doing great, but secretly I know that I could have worked a little bit harder on that report. Or yeah. could have uh, a little bit longer. Or, or all the negative self-talk that gets even harsher than that. So we talk about the uh, what's been called in different cultures, roommate from hell, the chittering monkey, or in the Western culture, Lucifer oh, the, the devil, mm -hmm. that voice. Okay. Yep. So let's take a look because, right? you know, we all have that. It's kind of like uh, you're not probably old enough to remember the Flintstones or the Jetsons. but the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Well, thing, I remember how they had the devil at list on one shoulder and the angel on the other whispering. Oh, my gosh. What was that guy's name? Chavu, Savu, something. Well, that was a different one. Yeah, well, George yeah. of the Flintstones. Yeah, okay, so. Flintstones, he had the guy on his shoulder. Anyone out there who knows it, put it in the chat box. But there's also the devil and the angel. So yeah. in addition to having his invisible friend who was, you know, um, and we all have that. We all have those different voices going on inside our head. But socially, we don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. Even though it's the biggest part of our reality, it's a bigger part of reality than most of what's happening outside is this inner conversation where people are often putting themselves down mercilessly. Um, how does it serve evolutionarily or otherwise to have that negative voice and the way that it serves is that the, we create ourselves in this reality by having the free will we have the choices to make and i think our psyche is set up to give us choices you're a total piece of crap you're blah, blah, blah. no you're fine with that. And all these things and it's just so we have choices to choose from uh, when we think that these voices have to be the truth because they're not the negative voice what's a medical term fos it just God bless that part of me, and it totally makes stuff up. 
It's just a lie. It's just part of my psyche is set up like everybody else's Mm -hmm. to give me choices. So I have things to choose from. Do I really want to kill that person? Do I want to do that? You know, and as long as you can just look at it and go, no, thank you. And realize that it's not true. It's usually going to be a lie, these negative things. Um, and the more you pay attention, then it's, it sounds like it, you're hooked on the line and it'll try to reel you in and then it gets your attention. But as you start to just realize this is just not truth. Well, and that take, that's, a, that's a habit that takes years to break. You made, you made a comment. You said, how does it serve you? I think that's such an important question to continue to ask on any of this when you're feeling bad, when you're, you make, you know, you're living in some of this to just say, is it serving me? Does it feel when, good? When, when you're ill. How does this illness serve me? That's a difficult one. That's a whole other world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a big big discussion for in terms of that whole mind body lives in your cells connection. But you do talk in the book a little bit about the um, the the negativity that lives in our bodies and how it it affects our health in so many ways. Um, it's okay for the negative voice to just ignore it. And I know it's easier said than done. I, I get that. But begin by realizing it's not the truth. Yeah. It will just, it's just a, a function of the brain to say anything to get their attention. Uh, it's, it's part of simply so we have choice. Uh, and the way it's set up is the more, uh, how's the old Indian Native American story is, you know, there's, uh, you know, this grandfather Native American is talking about the, uh, the wolf, you know, the the wolf inside of you, this full of negativity and, and the rest and warring with that that's full of goodness and the rest. And then, you know, they're both kind of, you know, howling at you and, uh, and the little boy asks, so which wolf wins, Grandpa? And the uh, old Grandpa said, the one you feed. Mm-hmm. And so the one you pay attention to. Yep. And it's really okay to just ignore the one that doesn't feel best to you because at the end of the day you choose what you're creating yourself to be by what you're focusing on let's talk for a minute about obligation and guilt Mm -hmm. a lot of us live a very obliged life Mm -hmm. so you know you talked we talked a little bit before about selfishness or following your path but we also i have an obligation to my family i have an obligation to my job like we really do have commitments of things that other people owe but then we get guilt if we don't do enough of it. And that somehow we always think, you know, I've, I haven't seen my mother <laughs> minutes away. She's, you know, she's alone. Should I have seen her this past weekend? Um, so and I, at, at this is a point where most kids when you're doing that uh, start to hear blah, 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 and appropriately. So having five kids, I, I learned early on, I could start to sense when all they were hearing, when I was talking obligations or wisdom, all they were hearing is blah, 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 blah. I'm going to say you have, you, have, you have no obligation. None? No. You get to. Okay. You, know, you get to be a certain way. And you will be that way if it feels good to you to be so. I'm a great father. I'm a very loving father. Not because I have an obligation to be so. Because it's a passion of mine. I love being that way. It's yes. just awesome. And this is who I am. On the other hand, I could have just as easily been a warrior whose job was to go off and save the country mm-hmm. by going off to battle. You know, if we were living in a world that we weren't the ones creating all the battle, you know, but, um, you know, and that would have been a different path for me where my children would never have seen me and grown up not knowing me, but I might have saved the country and saved their freedom. Right. It's not the one is better or worse than the other. It's just what are you? What has meaning to you? So you could be a good child, a good parent, um, but if you do so, if you because of a feeling of obligation, doing something you hate, um, one of the best things I did with my mom was I refused to see her, to talk to her, and see her for a while, until she knocked off being abusive. Mm-hmm. And you know her, her camp stuff was coming out; she was determined to control me. Right. And and I and she wasn't a bad person for being so, but this is how she was fighting against Hitler. Right. Was to create a whole family of really good Jewish boys and girls that were, and those would replace the one that Hitler killed, and that's how she, her way of fighting back. And I understand that, but no, this is not what I chose to do. So uh, there's time to say no. So the bottom line is, it's not anything about obligation. You do it because it feels good to you to do so. It's authentic to you. 
in, in, in that way, I changed the world. But if I didn't want to go ahead and, and create effective illnesses for millions of people and do all the things that I love doing, but rather my passion was having a flute that I played out of blowing my nose into it, well, that's okay too. It's, you know, it's an old Jefferson Starship song, if you think about that later, you know. Um, it's, it's not about you know, other people's views of what your obligations should be. It's what feels good to you. Who are you? What's authentic? From there, this will all spring naturally, and not just naturally, but effectively and powerfully without the resentment that leaves you hating them because of your perceived obligation. So how do parents, so I, I love this, and I understand it in a very mature way. Um, as you're teaching children, raising children, like they're, is it, is there a subtlety that it's responsibility versus obligation? Because there are responsibilities that people have, or I need to teach, you need to teach your children responsibilities. No, as, as part of this house, you have a responsibility to contribute. Is it an obligation or a responsibility? I don't know. As a part of a family, I have a responsibility to be sure that my, you know, aged parents are okay unless assuming they're not abusive to me right so but assuming a normal, right so so look for kids because this is the thing right. between kids and the yeah. elderly parents um so with the kids the way that i tend to raise them and again there's no right or wrong way to raise kids so the best advice as a parent that i have for people is to love your children unconditionally and make sure they know they're loved unconditionally. Mm -hmm. If you do so, it doesn't matter if you have a strict or easygoing or what you're, it's, they will be fine if they know they're unconditionally loved. The rest is, as they say, commentary. Um, I'm going to propose that instead of teaching responsibility in the way that we'd like to, which is that if you do this or don't do this, there will be punishment. Mm -hmm. And what I would propose and what I did with teaching the kids was not so much punishment as much as consequence right you know if you jump off the roof i'm not going to punish you but you may break your leg so Person. if you look you know if you don't do this the consequence is no dinner you know no dessert or your room's going to be dirty you know so it's more so and that's one where punishment and consequence tends to gray area a bit uh things like that so i'll throw that in so at the end of the day if you're teaching consequence uh, responsibility will tend to flow naturally from that. And all that. So I guess as I'm sitting here, I'm realizing responsibility is not emotional. Obligation is emotional. Obligation has this burden on it. Responsibility is a little bit outside of the emotional part. It's either. I, I, I don't think I put it that way. That's not how I see it okay. because I, I tend to be very empathic. And part of my learning consequence is that if I do this, this is the emotional impact it has on the other person because I can feel what they're feeling. Yes. And um, and so that's not a punishment or a con it's a consequence. Of, okay, I understand this. So based on that, what do I choose to do? Um, you know. So again, there's not an obligation to any of this you know you don't have an obligation to have a, a two million dollar home in the suburbs for your family no. and you don't have a obligation to really anything um but you'll find that you naturally feel like doing those things that are authentic and then the kids get it as they're feeling loved instead of resented it's a it can be a yeah. subtle difference how you act can be totally the same but the outcome will be totally different Right. And I'm, again, I'm pushing on some of these things because I'm just trying to weave through and with the pressures from society where people are passing judgments on some of these things. Yeah, um, the people <laughs> passing judgments crew. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Totally. It's, who are they? Let them let them walk their talk. And um, and, you know, oh, you think everybody should do it? Good. Yes, I totally agree. Give all your money to charity. Now they, you know, those are the ones that are not giving a penny to charity, and they're saying everybody else don't be selfish. Yeah. Uh, I have probably close to sixty to seventy percent of what I make goes to charity, um, not because there's a feeling of should, it just it's fun. Right. Well, and there is again, there's a whole bunch of judging that's going on in the world right now, and there's a whole bunch of dismissing people for having, you know, following their own paths versus respecting and embracing that everybody gets to choose to your point that everybody has their paths that they're on. Yeah. The bottom line is anybody who says, don't follow your own path, 
So thank you for <laughs> your deciding not to follow your own path. I'll tell you what to do for me later if you want, but I'm going to do my thing. Right. And that's so important because it is your path and what, what feels authentic to you. Um, let's talk for a moment about expectations. And then I want to talk about marriage. Um, so you, one of, one of your, um, principles in living a no-fault system is having no expectations. We have this illusion that we need things from other people. We don't. There's nothing we need from anybody else. We're really all pretty self-complete. And it's nice to have things from other people or things, but if, if you're not get it from one person, it'll be available from someplace else. It'll be somebody else where it feels good for them and it feels as a match. Um, so this feeling of need from others then feels like we then have to control them, which, you know, we then have expectations and we get expectations disappointed and we get into judgment. It just does not work for being happy. Um, so letting go of your expectations, not just on other people, but on yourself, no expectations. I'll do this if I feel like doing it. If I do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. There's no failure in it. Uh, if, I, if it doesn't turn out the way I want to this time, it will eventually get me where I'm going. It's, there's no failure in any of it. You know, for failure is another one of my big, you know, I can handle being stabbed with a knife, but failure is more difficult. Um, there's no failure. And letting go of expectations on yourself and others frees you of that whole big storyline and and, so, and things. So how do you feel, how do you frame it? So if you say there's no failure, let's just, I mean, and I know how I would fill it in, but I'd like you to just say, so if you say there's no failure and yet you, you know, you, you wrote a book and you sold three copies to your wife and your two kids. Yeah. And the duck. Yeah. Those, those you know, <laughs> can't forget the duck. Don't so what about your cat? Your cat probably bought a book. Yeah. My cat had enough sense <laughs> not to bother the book. So it's, um, so here's the thing. So from that, so for example, I decided to start a buyer's club for doctors, mm -hmm. um, but uh, where doctors should get discounts from, you know, the companies they're buying supplements for sale for. Um, but I didn't have the time to set up. And a friend of mine warned me, he said, if it's not, if they can't go to one site and buy it all, they're too busy, they're not going to bother. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing flopped because right. he was right. And I didn't do that. Right. So, so what? You know, uh, didn't hurt anything, didn't hurt anybody. Um, it just, I realized that, oh, you got to keep in mind this thing for it to work. I learned from that, set up other things since then that were very successful and did very well. Right. That failure taught me and was much a step in my succeeding as the things that did everything poor and well. So failure is just another step. So again, I'm just another step towards to yeah. success. Yes. And all it's that. a critical and no less important step than all the other steps. And all this, you know, the pattern of all of this is the release. You're, you're, you're giving people permission to let go of all this burden that they carry. And without that burden, that, that allows happiness. That allows the freedom and the flow to exist. And the ease. The ease, you know, look at the cat. The cat's not worrying about any of these. Great teacher. Uh, and, you know, and it doesn't cost much, you know, cat food's cheap. Yeah. And I think I'm going to work tomorrow just sitting in the sun, lying in the sun. Um, the... <laughs> who's who's the superior species here? It's like, okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, although, you know, my dog rules everything. Um, the You talk about also where do you want to put your attention? So that's the, the that's the I'll call it the last piece of the book in, in terms of your solution your keys to happiness. Where you put your attention is what you're creating. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, isn't it fascinating that there are seven plus billion people on the planet, and that I am the star of the show? Not you, not you, sir, and not anybody. I'm the star of the movie. I'm I'm the lead actor. You know, and you, you get to be my co, the you know, second actress, Laurie. I'll be your wingman. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, it's funny. Seven billion people. Every one of them is the star of the entire movie. Right. I think uh, you know whoever developed the stage, brilliant, really well done. And the the thing is that each one of us is writing our own script. There is nobody out there writing our script except us. And a big part of what determines the script of our life's movie is what we put our attention on. It's kind of like, can you imagine, you know, you're watching something on the cable where there's a thousand networks and not one of them has much any good, but you know, you're sitting there watching something, you're scrolling through and there's something you absolutely hate. 
And what do you do? You go, I hate this. I'm going to start a rally. I'm going to get everybody. Go, we're going to march and tear down the towers. Oh, you can just take your remote control and go click and change it. You know, um, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be focusing on the horribleness of the whole thing and, and the rest, this is what you're writing in your script. Ain't nobody else's fault. Nobody's blame. Not your blame either. It's just what you're doing. You get to pick. You know, keep clicking until you find, oh, Star Trek. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, you know, whatever your equivalent is, good trashy movies, whatever they happen to be, that feels good to you. Good. And same in life. What we focus on is what we draw into our life. So we want to focus on how horrible that other party is and how everybody who that other half of the country must be insane because they think differently than I do or the horrible medicine pharmaceutical or and nobody out there horrible. There's nobody out there who's bad. And nor is that serving us to focus in those negative places versus Un unless you, you to unless you want to bring it into your life. Right. right. What you're focusing on is what you are inviting into your life and creating. <clears throat> so go ahead. So if you are bringing that into your life or you're focusing on it and you're looking, well, I'm going to blame them for my being miserable. You're the one with the remote control for your life. But they're sending me nasty letters. Yeah. And you can go ahead and deal with it and then start to disconnect from it. Or you can get into a, a tar baby thing where you're stuck on like flypaper. Um, you can start shifting your attention to things that feel good. In time, those other things will disappear. And what will start to show up in your life are the things that you're focusing on. So choose to keep your attention on what feels good right. and you will recreate a life that feels great. I love it. So Rebecca asked a question um, and this kind of cycles back to the beginning when I was asking about were you this way as a child? Some people will tend to say, I can't be like that. I'm just miserable. I simply am this way. I simply don't yeah. have a sense of humor. Yeah. You're, you're, right. you're, you're right. Congratulations. <laughs> Right. But, they, but they think you can or can't, you're right. Uh, but is there a genetic component to any of this? Or is it all, is that just an excuse for people as well to not have to, um, you know, pursue a path that they might otherwise be afraid to or? Number of pieces. Mm -hmm. So one, there's the story and habit that we're telling ourselves, And that's the biggest piece of it. Um, there is a genetic thing in terms of the nurture where this is what we saw growing up. Mm -hmm. So we don't know any other reality. That's what we, uh, Laurie likes to call the wallpaper right. of our reality. Yeah. Um, and then there is a third piece that is important, which is the biochemistry. There is a biochemistry of happiness. And I'll talk about it in the book also. Yeah. So yeah. getting nutritional support with B vitamins, magnesium, uh, getting enough fish oil, things like this that make the happiness molecules are very important. They're a critical piece of it. Um, they can be very easy to put into place. You know, a good multi with a good 50 milligrams of B200 of magnesium um, and eating a couple servings of salmon a week or two, you know, that will that'll take care of 90% of it. Does, of everybody, does everybody biochemically have the same potential for happiness? You know, they talk about astrological, astrological personalities that, you know, I'm a cancer and I'm a homebody and someone else is a, whatever they are, they're a warrior. You know, and a Leo is a, you know, some uh, the, the bottom line is I think we are all part of the same great being we call life or God or whatever, or nature or whatever we want to call it. So at the end of the day, we're all one and we all have total potential for a complete glorious life of amazing joy. Um, and, but what we all are, our different perspectives, different facets of that great big diamond. Um, so our perspective will depend on the perspective we are having and what we kind of shift to. Um, do we all have the potential for complete ecstatic joy? Absolutely. Is it all going to look the same for everybody? Probably not. Not until we get beyond their individual perspectives. And I don't see a big hurry for that. Well, no, should it? There's no way that, you know, because we're individuals. So that, I think that's the important aspect. One of the important lessons is my happiness is different than your happiness. Mm -hmm. um, not that I wouldn't love to be on the beach in Maui, <laughs> but nonetheless. Yeah, but, but again, like you said, there's no, here's what happiness looks like. This right. is what happiness looks like for me. And each of us creates it for, you know, every, you create what looks like that feels the best to you. And then, you know, appreciate that, savor it, and then reach for what's the next thing that would feel even better. Mm -hmm. And just keep reaching and reaching when it feels good to reach. 
There's the time to step back and just savor it and watch the trashy movies and eat popcorn and watch Star Trek. And there's a time to now be looking forward to, okay, what's the next best thing? What's the next greatest vision that I've already had about myself? What's the next, you know, and create that mm-hmm. by daydreaming it. Love it. All right, let's talk for the last couple of minutes about your marriage. You, mm-hmm. you have a, you, every time you refer to your wife, you have so much love. You have such a great partnership. So mm-hmm. what's what's the key? What's made that such a success? Oh, I married up. You know, it's a, <laughs> I don't know why she you paid her off. I, no, I, I I married up for some I know. Reason. So I thought you had to pay her off to be able to, you know, accept I, you as a spouse. I have I have no idea. I think it was just grace, you know. And um I'm the luckiest man in the world. You know, I fell in love with her and after a while she realized well, he's not the yeah, he's a total geek and a nerd, but kind of like him, you know. <laughs> she fell in love with me anyway. So All right, well, I'm go. gonna tell you something that I saw in your book and that you talk about when you and I talk is that you are together and you are individuals. That you are, and I always say my I adore my husband, I'd marry him again. He's my muse, he's my guide. We are not each other's everything. Hmm. That we are that, you know, and I see this with you and Lori as well, that you are you you allow each other your individual space. You I am complete. I am complete in myself. Yeah. I am whole in myself, and from that space, it's a friggin' blast being with her. Yeah. But it's not a need. It's a joy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I need from her. There's nothing I need from anybody. But I'm, and I'm madly in love with her. And there's he's who I like to spend twenty four seven with. Yeah. I'm, I trust totally that however she grows, I will love whoever she becomes. I'm not a fearful of anything that her growing in any path. And I trust her and I trust her love. And I feel the same. I'm not worried about growing. Every time I take these crazy next steps, well, I think I'm going to do this, which most wives go, you can't leave your business and do that. And I'm following your business that way. It's like, oh, cool. Okay. It's like, <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Off we go. So what happened? So back to obligation. So if you had a harebrained idea and she said, are you crazy? That's crossed my line. I would follow my path, mm-hmm. but I would look to her for guidance because it's not a matter of crossing her line. Mm-hmm. It could be. I mean, if I said, hey, let's have a group marriage, I would cross her line. Right. So then I had to make have to make a choice of, well, what feels good to me? And it feels good to me to have a monogamous marriage right. with her because I love her and the value of, of our love is much greater than the value of a guy's blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but that's a conscious choice I make, not because I have to, right. but because I would be a fool not to. Right. It's just, it's what I choose to do. It feels best to me. Uh, but in general, for most things, it wouldn't be a matter of, like say, we mentioned at the beginning, there are some non-negotiables, but they should be kept to a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, if I said something where it was totally off the wall, she would call me on it, not so much because it would cross her line, because she would just continue doing what she chose to do anyway. Right. But because she felt, well, are you sure that's going to work for you? Right. <clears throat> and then we would be exploring that conversation. And she would say what her concerns are also for herself. Um, and we would talk about it. In other words, there's nothing wrong with going, well, that sounds like the stupid ass things I've ever heard. And, uh, you know, let's think about this and this. Um, and she has no problems telling, you know, guiding me. And uh, right. we will tell each other what you think. But it's not a matter of, crossing my line if she does that right it's a matter of whenever i am giving her guidance any friend it's based on what's best for them not what's best for me and then i have a separate thing of this is what i would need or would like right Right. you know but if i'm giving them guidance it's going to be all about what's best for you not what's best for me that just works for me to do it that way and Lori and i do the same thing you know and it's worked. How long have you been married? 20 years. We met, uh, I met her 24 years ago. A couple of days ago it was the 24th anniversary of when I first laid eyes on her and fell madly in love with her. Love it. Love mm-hmm. it. All right. Well, Jacob, thank you for sharing this side of you. And mm-hmm. the lessons are great. And the book, yeah, Three Happiness, uh, Three Steps to Happiness is on, I found it on Amazon. Is that right? It's Amazon. Get the Kindle edition. It's, it's yeah. funny. The the hard copy new is going for $800. Get the Kindle for 10 bucks. Uh, even if you get a used copy, it may not be the right book. Just get the Kindle. And you get immediate gratification. 
and you can get you download onto an iPad as long as you have the Kindle app. It's awesome. All right, mm-hmm. thank you so very much, um, everybody. Don't forget, we have you know share share these Facebook lives. Let your friends know about them. Come on back, watch the feed so that we can let you know when the next ones are. We do. What's today's date? I don't. Next week's Thanksgiving. We're gonna take we're gonna take a moment of thanks next week. Um, although I am trying watch your watch your feed. Actually, we're trying to do something on um, the COVID vaccines. Um, so I'm trying to set that up because there's a lot of question that people are wondering about what's what's the status of that. Um, keep your questions coming. Anyone has any further questions, put them in there. And um, any ideas, what you want for future Facebook Lives, put those in as well. So Jacob, thank you so much. If I don't t- talk to you before, then have a wonderful Thanksgiving to you, Lauren. Ken, thank you for you, sharing. You too, and uh, aloha to everybody and have a great holiday season. Yes, indeed. Much to be grateful for. Thank you. I'm talking to Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum about his unique philosophy on living a happy and healthy life. He teaches it to his patients and he lives it every day. Dr. Teitelbaum is just one of thousands of top experts who are part of the Brain Trust for our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, where we provide guidance to help you live happier, healthier, and wealthier. Our experts share insights, not just about preventing and beating disease through simple smart choices and a little attitude adjustment, but in all aspects of your life, including managing your money, smart home repair, better relationships, improved emotional health, how to find bargains, unique travel destinations, smart tax strategies, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.